Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings, come out and play. Now listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome to the bi-week edition of Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I am here with Super Bowl champion, Bryant McKinney. What up, big man? Hey, how's it going? Oh, not bad. We also have uh, Wes from San Francisco. He's going to be with us the whole show tonight because this is the bye week and we got a little bit of extra time to cover some general topics and uh, the Green Bay game is upcoming. How you doing, Wes? Doing all right. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, absolutely. All right. So first, we're going to talk about bet online. The NFL season is in full swing. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at bet online. Uh, for example, the Vikings are seven point underdogs this week at Green Bay. Um, so if you do believe in Vikings, um, you can slide on over to bet online and bet on the purple from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. The bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino that is open and it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. The Minnesota Vikings uh, sit in last place um, right now. The Lions won in week seven over the Falcons, so they are one notch ahead of us in third place, and they are pretty proud of that because they're usually in last place. Uh, So as it stands, um, Minnesota is one and five as they set to head to Green Bay this Sunday. Um, If the NFL draft was conducted tonight or tomorrow morning, the Vikings would pick sixth in the draft. And that's mainly because all the bad teams lost last weekend. Uh, All of the the poor, piss poor teams in the NFL are one and six. uh, Whereas the Vikings had a somewhat early bye week and that allows them to stay at one and five. Um, Right after we got off the air, so to speak, the next morning, um, our best defensive lineman, Yannick Ngakwe, was traded to the Baltimore Ravens, which was a stunner for most of us because we figured there might be some uh, moves of some veterans that are, you know, perceived to be overpaid. But Ngakwe was a guy that we just traded for like six, seven weeks ago. So he heads to the Ravens. And Brian, I'm going to head to you first because the trajectory of your career was just like that. You went, uh, you didn't stop with Jacksonville first, but you did start with the Vikings and you went to the Ravens. So what can Yannick expect in the Ravens culture? Um, it's definitely a defensive culture. I actually seen pictures today because I follow Ravens as well. So they show pictures of him and uh, video of him, as well as Des Bryant at practice, their first day of practice. Um, so I'm pretty sure, you know, like every time you get traded to a new team, it's like a clean slate. 
to kind of build your own legacy at that new place. So that gives some new opportunity to do that with a bunch of other guys and veterans like Claire Campbell, you know, a team that's doing pretty good. Okay. And you played under John Harbaugh, correct? Correct. We had the same birthday. Oh yeah, I think I think you said that the first the first night that I met you on one of these podcasts. That's cool. All right, so you know kind of yeah. what he'll be getting in for there. Uh, they certainly have a uh, more optimistic season than ours is right now. I believe their only loss was to the Chiefs on Monday Night Football about five weeks ago. Uh, Wes, what were your knee jerk emotions when you figured out Yannick was heading to Baltimore? I was a little devastated to be honest. <laughs> I. Uh... I think I, like a lot of fans, had envisioned uh, Unique and uh, Daniil lining up across from each other and wreaking havoc. And um, I think because we never really got a chance to see that, it kind of stung a little bit. Um, after having a little bit of time to, to marinate on the deal, um, I do think it was probably the best call, especially with the cap numbers likely to lower next year um due to covid but uh yeah we got a third and then if baltimore wins the super bowl uh that fifth that conditional fifth turns into a third for uh 2022 so yeah another third yeah that you were correct we were supposed to have this uh terribly ferocious tandem of daniel and unique and we never saw one iota of it um so i've been telling some of my uh my friends and colleagues that about eight, nine weeks ago, we thought we were going to have a top three defensive end bookend combination. And then we were slow walked or slow rolled with the Daniil Hunter injury news that we went from a top three defensive end combo to unfortunately a bottom three. And uh, if you know me well enough, that's not an insult to Afadi Adembo or whoever starts on the other side, probably DJ Wanham. But in terms of prestige, reputation, experience, it is a bottom tier combination. Now, hopefully they prove us wrong and, uh, you know, just go nuts against Rodgers this Sunday, but that remains to be seen. So on the trade chatter, Yannick is gone. There was a little inkling or theory that that might be the first of a couple dominoes. We, the rumors have been all over the place. Um, it seems nobody is untouchable. If you're throwing names out there like Adam Thielen, um, then that means that nobody on the roster is untouchable, at least in terms of the hearsay and the rumors. Uh, Bryant, you've, you've been around the NFL uh, since 2002. Do you, do you think the Vikings are going to start selling players um, before the trade deadline, which is election day? Um, I'm not really sure. I do, I do feel like they're starting to uh, gear up and prepare for the draft and more of next season. Um, but I don't know who else they could possibly gear up. Well, it's, it's everybody that's been talked about. Harrison Smith has been out there because he's still, uh, I don't know if at the top of his game, but um, very high level point of his game. Kyle Rudolph makes a lot of money, and we have a young tight end that's probably – I'm going to replace him, whether people like it or not, before too long. Um, Anthony Harris, who was a spring and summer uh, dancer in the sense we didn't know if he was going to come back or not. So all the dudes that are basically high, high paid um, might be ones that are on the move. Um, Wes, do you think any of that trade talk rumor is palpable? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Riley Reef at tackle and Anthony Harris at safety are probably the most likely. Um, as you know, Harris has a uh, just this year on his deal, and then um, Reef has a team-friendly deal going into next year. So I could definitely see one or both of those guys moved within you know the next six days. And um, I, I think the return expectation might be a little high from some of the Vikings fans on Twitter, probably looking at a early day three pick on you know one or both of those guys. Do you think that we need to get our asses kicked in Green Bay for those trades to happen, or do you think that they would happen even if we somehow upset Green Bay this Sunday? Do you think it's contingent upon the performance this Sunday? I don't, just because of how big of a hole we dug ourselves, even though the playoff uh, format expanded. I mean, you look at the NFC West, and it's just stacked with teams. They're talking all four teams could realistically make the playoffs this year, which is just Oh I'm yeah. Sorry, so. I, I, yeah, I haven't thought about that. I seriously haven't thought about that, but yeah, that's possible now, especially with uh, the level um, that those teams are playing at. All right. So you for one, won't be surprised at all. If any trades shake down, um, I will be a little bit surprised because I still believe that Spielman and Zimmer um, are hesitant to get into a rebuild that they are creating because some of the building blocks on this team, like Dalvin, um, Kendricks, and Daniil next year, uh, there's enough core for this team to go out, I think, retool and uh, you know be a playoff team again next year. But then again, I thought that this year. So that's why I'm not employed by the Vikings um, because I guess I have too much optimism. Um, so I won't be stunned. I was stunned by Unique, but I will not be stunned on the whole if more players fall but I don't think it's going to be a complete fire sale like some folks think and that we're just on this pathway to 2-14. and 14. That's where I draw the line, um, but we will find out. Um, what about Bryant? Um, whenever Kirk Cousins has a bad game and he's had two particularly poor ones this year, <laughs> the uh, calculators are taken out, the notepads are taken out. We try to figure out who the hell he could be traded to. Do you think that the Vikings – realistically this offseason would trade Kirk Cousins, Bryant? I think they could um, and really try to go and move up. You know, that's a little money sometimes. You know what I mean? Move up and try to get, you know, when the top QBs that are coming out in the draft, I mean, maybe the guy from Texas, um, and try to get yourself a QB that you can kind of groom again instead of always getting, you know, the guys, the veterans from other teams that like, try to get a young QB and try to bring them into being the quarterback of your future. Okay, so do you have? I don't. I don't suppose you have any ideas where he might be traded, or you just think it's possible. It, it, it's a possible. I have no idea who possibly. Okay. Yeah, he's got a. It's not that he makes a crazy amount of money per year comparatively to other quarterbacks. It's that we just re-upped his contract. So whoever he went to would either have to swallow a lot of money. Like as a favor to the Vikings, uh, which is a long shot, or um, that team would have to think that they could mold him like a ball of clay. Um, Wes, at the beginning of the show, I said you were from San Francisco. That's where you live. You you were from California. Um, the one place that always uh, pops up as a destination for Kirk if he was traded was San Francisco because uh, Kyle Shanahan does have history with Cousins in Washington. 
I want to ask you first as a Vikings fan and second as a resident of San Francisco, is that trade talk something that's real or is that something that's dreamt up in uh, Viking circles? A little bit in Viking circles as of right now. Um, now, local radio out here, they've been talking, you know, it's possible the um, 49ers move on from Garoppolo. Um, what I'm hearing is the next three games are going to be critical for San Francisco. Uh, the, I know they go to uh, Seattle this weekend, and I think they come back home and play another division foe um so i guess watch the uh the niners over the next three weeks and if you're looking or in in the market for wanting uh cousins to be traded out to san francisco uh cheer for whoever is opposing (laughs) the niners the next few days is the mentality um out west that they made it to the super bowl in spite of garoppolo because they just got to the Super Bowl, for God's sake. If I think this is this is another long shot. If Cousins would have dragged the Vikings to a Super Bowl uh, last year, I think he would be given a lot of leeway. Um, maybe not, but I think that he would. So it seems it's a little a little bit ruthless for Garoppolo to be on the hot seat when they just were like one quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. Is it just that they think that Shanahan can use anybody in that offense? Probably a little bit of both. Um, I think. San Francisco and the Vikings are very similar, uh, similar built teams, uh, defense first, uh, rely on the run game and then, um, you know, mix in the passing a little bit in between. Uh, I think the one area where at least last year, San Francisco had a little bit more of an edge was on the offensive line, a little bit more continuity. Um, the pro football focus rankings on San Francisco's line, uh, they ranked 14th, which was middling. Uh, well, uh, the Vikings, they they ranked 19th, but Pro Football Focus also added that it's 27th, actually, and it's boot, the 19th ranking is boosted by the success in the run game and the scheme that they were running. Yeah, so. play action all the time. Yeah, I think sometimes the Vikings, as Kubiak realizes that the offensive line um, is not that great. So you have to get Cousins on the move, and it works out well because no matter what naysayers say, he's pretty deadly um, in the play-action game. Um, okay, so you say it would be... like So there is a movement, a subtle one, in San Francisco that says that Jimmy G may not be the guy forever. Yeah, correct. Okay. And I think... I think um... You may, I mean, you may not be in work at NFL Network, but you live out there, so you're going to know better than a lot of our listeners what the sentiment is for the 49ers and their quarterback. Right, right. And I, I think the fan base wants to see a little bit more, uh, okay. a little bit more consistency out of him. How, um, how do you think? How do you yeah, think that they would? How do you think they would adjust to Cousins? Uh, probably about as well as. Uh, Vikings Twitter has. <laughs> yeah, just on his short leash, yeah. Yeah. All right, hey, Bryant, um, we've talked to you about tanking a lot, um, mainly because you are a player, and you have stated on here twice on this show that players don't tank. Um, is there ever a situation, at least in your opinion, whether it's a fan or a player, where 
it's better to end up losing games to get a better quarterback in a draft. Players don't think about that. Like players don't think like that. Where it's like, uh, well, it doesn't matter if we lose. You know what I mean? Like I said, a lot of players like once they realize they're not going to make the playoffs, they go into the whole. I'm gonna be a spoiler for the teams that are going to go to the playoffs. So that's kind of more of the mindset. Uh, nobody's ever thinking about where, as far as from a player standpoint, of getting the first pick or anything like that. Because you know, you still want to have victory Mondays. You still want to, you know put some good film out there, too, in case you're on a bubble of, you know, any contract that season or anything. So nobody wants to really go ahead and just, like, practice losing. Yeah. Yeah, I think – I definitely think it is a – fan-driven sentiment, but we did see, we do see it in the NBA, and they've even taken steps to fix it, and they've made this extreme draft lottery and whatnot so that uh, teams cannot do it. Um, But I want to mention that we have this uh, vision that, okay, yeah, the Vikings will, maybe they'll start losing games either, you know, on accident or with lack of uh, personnel, and they'll get a top five pick. But I struggle to understand that because I don't see examples of when that actually works. I know that Peyton Manning was taken number one overall in 1998. He won two Super Bowls, one one of which he really didn't have much to do with, the Broncos won, because the defense and Von Miller brought it home. And then Eli Manning was the first overall pick in 2004, and he ultimately won two Super Bowls with the Giants um, based on another strong defense and uh, some clutch uh, play on his behalf. But if you look around... Like the times that, not even tanking, like here's the products of tankings. It's guys like Blaine Gabbert and Josh Rosen and Blake Bortles, um, Sam Darnold right now, who might be a good quarterback. We just don't know because he's on a terrible team. Um, the times where quarterbacks recently have been selected in the first round, not necessarily via tank, but it works, is Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. And those are quarterbacks that waltz into relatively good situations, and they developed in a hurry under you know good coaches. Um, so, Wes, what am I object I've tried to think about you know there's so many people that talk about it like what am I missing like what what can I you know have connected my brain that makes me understand why I would want to see the Vikings lose for a better draft pick who um I think it's fool's gold really is um and I, I think there's a little overlap with other sports like you mentioned the NBA um, when you have the first overall pick, you're getting the shot at the best prospect, which in football can get a little washed out depending on who the prospect is. Uh, because, you know, depending on what side you're on, you have uh, 10 other guys out there with you. Uh, where, you know, basketball, number one overall pick, there's four other guys out there with you. So there's a little bit more um, space for, you know, somebody to shine in that instance. All right, yeah, I'm with you. Basketball, you can kind of control your own destiny a little bit more than 53 men on a football team. Right. For instance, wherever I, – I, I make no secret of the fact that LeBron James is my favorite sports figure. And wherever he goes, that team is nearly guaranteed to play in a championship or get damn close. And that's been the, the deal since he was like 25. Uh, so, yes, a basketball player selected with the first overall pick some of the time – um, can change everything, but a quarterback, although he gets all of the glory and all of the blame, 
can not single-handedly take a football team to the promised land. I know it feels like Patrick Mahomes can do that, but you have to take into account the masterful play calling that he encounters. And then even uh, the two years ago when they came up short against the Patriots, that team's defense was horrible during the regular season, and they got better quick in the playoffs, but it still wasn't great. Last year, um, the Chiefs' defense caught up to the offense, so to speak, and played a lot better, and lo and behold, they won a Super Bowl. So I've never I, – I, I'm a self-professed defensive guy when it comes to my football fandom, and I've never understood why there's this obsession uh, with quarterbacks and with offense because de- defense is equally as important. Bryant's an offensive player. He might disagree with me. Um, but what what is your take, Bryant, on the, the, the spot where you draft a quarterback? Does that matter in your opinion? Because you spent your career defending a quarterback – or excuse me, protecting quarterbacks. Um, doesn't matter. I would say yes or no. I mean, you have Tom Brady, but then you have people like, you know, Peyton Manning. And then, like, I'm, like, the year I came out, you had, like, Joey Harrington, who was three. (laughs) You know, so, it really just, I guess, it really depends on the individual. I don't don't really know if it's really based on where they go. Because people can go a lot of different places and just not paying out well. So usually people tend to go with a higher quarter, like higher number quarterback, you know, higher, you know, um, pick. And a lot of them do pan out, but I mean, so that's still a gamble. Yeah. Yeah, I want to pound that point home for anybody that is listening to our show tonight. Um, it would from a stat guy like myself and a dude that thinks about football way too much and writes about football way too much, um, it makes more sense. If you want to follow this blueprint of Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or pre-2020 Deshaun Watson, it makes more sense that your team would be good and maybe the Vikings this year, 1-5, maybe finish something 7-9, and Maybe finish something eight and eight, six and ten, depending on uh, if they get their poop in a group, and then you still have these weapons on the team, and then you either make a trade like the Chiefs did, or a trade like the uh, Ravens did to get back in the first round for Lamar, um, and then saturate this dude with weapons that you already have on the team, as opposed to trading Adam Thielen, trading Harrison Smith, and having a fire sale, and then having this quarterback waltz in with this lack of incumbency of um, you know veteran players. Um, it just doesn't add up to me. There's, if you look around the quarterbacks that don't work out, the high picks, the Joey Harringtons, like Bryant just talked about, they go into situations on putrid teams with no weapons uh, for the most part, and then they're just uh, set up to fail. And that's what happens with the Jets every year. That's, ha- that's what happened with the Browns for like 20 years, and it might be happening again. Um, but Baker Mayfield does shows flashes of uh, some promise. Um, I just think it makes more sense for a quarterback to come into a situation like this Vikings team could get to if they play well the rest of the season rather than try to lose a bunch of games, trade a bunch of players, and have this mandatory rebuild. Um, Am I missing anything with that opinion? No, I don't think so. I I think that uh, you're pretty spot on with this. Um, If you surround somebody with some weapons, I mean, they'll use them. So yeah. that's what they have to do. Like, and like you said, like with Joy Harrington, like one of the short, like, you know, we have any weapons there, but it was like, 
because you're this high pick, you're supposed to make it do what it do based off of your pick. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give people some type of weapons and stuff to be able to, you know, make use of. Yeah. Is there anything wrong with my synopsis, Wes? <laughs> no. And I think I'd like to expand on it uh, a little bit. I know you wrote an article uh, that published, I think, yesterday regarding picking a QB and sticking with them for yes. numerous years. And um, I began to wonder uh, in the Super or in the last few Super Bowls, like where does the offensive line play rank for those teams? Um, so th- I'm just going to rattle off a few numbers here. These are all from Pro Football Focus. Uh, SFKC ranked 14th and 16th. Uh, Rams, New England, sixth and fourth. Philly, New England, first and third. Atlanta, New England, sixth and tenth. <sighs> Carolina and Denver, second and twentieth. But Denver was the second least penalized offensive line. Uh, Seattle, New England, 19 and 23. Uh, Denver, Seattle, three and 27. Uh, SF and Baltimore, one and 17. What happened there, McKinney? <laughs> Um, and then you look at the situation Kirk came into 2017 before he got here uh, the offensive line ranked 22nd 2018 29th uh, we touched on 2019 where Pete uh, pro football focus had us at 19th uh, but they said actually it's uh, 27th when we take out the run game success Uh, and then this year we're currently 28th So and it feels like it too. So yeah, there is a somewhat consistent trend of at least one team and and most of the time both teams that are in the Super Bowl that have astute and often stellar offensive lines. So Bryant, you're going to be shocked to know this. Offensive lines matter. Yeah, they should. Yeah, and that's that's if, if there was ever going to be a case. So I'll go I'll go on record. I am not for the termination of Rick Spielman, but if it had to happen, then I would uh, fall back on the notion that he has struck out a few times on the offensive line. And I swear, I swear the last time this offensive line was good was when 2009, when Bryant was there. And that was the last time I didn't have to worry about it. Now, Adrian um, made it look decent in... Like gosh, almost every year. But after uh, after Bryant left, um, Adrian made the offensive line look great, especially in 2012 because he was a cyborg. And by the way, he'll be on our show next week. Uh, we're super pumped for that. Uh, so yeah, it would be from an X's and O's standpoint. Standpoint, it'd probably make more sense to invest in large men that could protect Kirk Cousins more so than going getting a sexy, long-haired rookie quarterback named Trevor Lawrence and just hoping he can escape uh, defensive ends that are going after him. Uh, So Wes, thank you for bringing the offensive line stats up. Um, It really brings it to light. Uh, Before we transition over to Green Bay, um, I want to ask both of you, aside from Justin Jefferson, because uh, we all equally are pleasantly surprised with him, what other players on this team... (laughs) Are you pleasantly surprised with, even though we've started one on five? Uh, Bryant, do you have any that come to mind? No, Jefferson was probably my main guy. Um, okay. The fact that he was a rookie, didn't have OTAs, didn't really have, you know, preseason and everything, he kind of acclimated pretty quickly. 
Yeah, he sure as hell did, and it's it's wild. Um, I was on a podcast with my friend Adam Patrick from the Viking Age on Sunday. Um, it was his uh, maiden voyage for that particular podcast. And um, I, I, I was telling him that my dirty secret about football is I don't really care about college football, and I don't really watch it just because I'm so mesmerized with the NFL product. So the deepest I get into college football is studying for the draft, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, I knew that this wide receiver class was deep, so when it came to the Vikings potentially selecting one of those wide receivers, I was like, I don't really care. Pick one. He'll do okay. But, th- again, that's why I don't work for the Vikings. It looks like Spielman nailed that because Justin Jefferson, in a small sample size, is a machine, in a, you know, an electric one. Um, so, Wes... We know that you are presumably enamored with Jefferson. What other players have you been pleasantly surprised with, even though we've only won one damn game? I think Garrett Bradbury. I think he's made the jump. Last year, he seemed to struggle a little bit. And I I read somewhere last year that, I guess, uh, players in Rick Dennison's scheme sometimes take a little bit of time to get comfortable in it. And uh, I think this year we're kind of finally seeing, you know, him being comfortable in his role. He sure is. And that brings up another point. Um, Bradbury has progressed um, in all metrics. And we really aren't far away from having an offensive line that is talented in all five spots. Right now, I don't know how long Riley Reef will be on the team, hopefully, um, you know, he stays next year because he has proven that he's worth this current contract. And then in the middle at center, as Wes talked about, is Garrett Bradbury, who is not a Matt Khalil one-hit wonder. And then Brian O'Neill is probably close to a Pro Bowl berth because he has established himself as a legitimate um, right tackle. So that leaves two guards. And on our very first fan segment, we had Dave um, from International Falls who said that if he was in charge of the Vikings, he would go to a guard store and, you know, find guards. And that's really the only thing that's separating this offensive line from being a decent to good one is the guard play. Right now we have Pat Elfline, who got hurt in the first week, and most of us thought, like, wow, yeah, well, hopefully Drew Samia can get in there because it can't get much worse than Elfline. And then it got much worse than Elfline, and that was Samia. He, quite frankly, has the worst PFF grade in the NFL. And he might develop into something more. Maybe this is a rut. That's what I always say in these situations. But so far, he shouldn't be starting for this team, and he probably won't for a while, if at all. And then Dakota Dozier is kind of like, you know, a, in my opinion, a backup guard that will fill in from time to time. Right now, he starts for the Vikings, and he he's doing okay. He's not... Uh, quite in the basement like I I put Samia in. Um, But right now, the only thing that's separating this offensive line from being a pretty good one is two guards. And normally you don't take guards that high in the draft. So I'm hoping that if we do have roster turnover, we do make an investment in guards because we make a huge fuss about the offensive line being crappy, but we're really not that far away, the pieces, I should say, from it being a good one. Um, do either one of you have anything to add on the offensive line? Well, um, no, I, I think you hit it. Uh, one thing I was thinking of in regards to Cousins and the offensive line, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the image of the 
Bugatti parked at a trailer park. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of how I I liken this. Like you're paying cousins all this money and yet you're putting uh, a trailer park offensive line around him. Um, You know, he he might, cousins might not be a Bugatti, but I mean, he's maybe an Audi instead. So you you still want to protect it. And that is so hard for this fan base to digest. Um, They do both things. They complain about cousins and they complain about the offensive line. And to an extent, I expect that to happen when you're one in five, but it boggles my mind that certifiably Kirk Cousins has the eighth highest pass rating of all time, and we can't find reasons, enough reasons to get rid of him. I mean, everywhere you look, it's like, nope, got to move on, got to trade him, got to eat the dead cap, let's cut him. Um, And I can't understand what it is about him that is so polarizing, Um, and it's just relentless. That said, Kirk Cousins will get a mini chance at redemption this Sunday at noon, Lambeau Field. Um, He hasn't personally been on a team that's beat the Packers, that's the Vikings, of course, since their first uh, meeting in 2018. So he has three straight losses to the Packers, which will sully uh, the opinion of you in a heartbeat. And he also struggles against the Bears. Uh, So... One of these times against the Packers and or Bears, he's going to have to start winning because that alone will uh, get him a ticket out of town if he can't beat division foes. Um, so that game, this is week eight, and like I said, that'll take place at noon. Um, Bryant McKinney, you played against the Packers a boatload of times, so I want to take the next few minutes for you to expound on some of your favorite Packer memories. Okay, well, one is when Randy Moss uh, mooned the crowd at the spring touchdown. A big it's moon. It's just like ours then. Okay, those are our favorite memories. <laughs> right. Because um, I knew where it was coming from. I knew what he meant when he did it. That's what we see when we pull up in the bus there, Luna. Um, so, so hold on. Let me back that up. I, a lot of folks probably know this. There might be some that don't. So, yes, Randy Moss pretended to pull down his pants when he scored a touchdown during the throttling of the Packers in the 2004 playoffs. And it was, at that time, considered obscene. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's hilarious that that's considered obscene now. So you, quite frankly, had fans that would show you their nude buttocks. Yeah, they would actually Like, he mimicked it. <laughs> We would see pulling up, you know, in our buses, uh, you know, they're tailgating and stuff. We're pulling up you know, two hours before the game to so get ready. And when we pull up to the buses, we can do that. So yeah. all he did was what we seen. He didn't actually do it. Yeah. Was it ever attractive women or was it always burly Packer fan dudes? <laughs> Probably burly Packer fan dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find some silver lining in that. Okay, so it's, it was just kind of like one of their traditions, or they did it like once, and you guys thought it was weird? I just feel like I've seen it a few times, and okay. it was something that they did. Like, that was, I feel like the only team that I've seen do that uh, when I arrived at the stadium, and uh, that's what it was. And him mimicking it, I didn't think it would be such a big deal, but apparently it was. It really wasn't until Joe Buck made it one, um, and he's right. he's chilled out a lot over the years. A lot of Viking fans still hate him, but I'm of the opinion he's a pretty good announcer. Um, so, all right, so that one is right along the lines with us fans because I, for me, that was a where were you moment. Um, I was in uh, my in an apartment with my college roommate, who's now a reporter for the Washington Post. His name's Aaron Blake. Um, so we got that one out there. What other Pack, Packer memories might you have? The good ones. Other time, I don't know if that was the same game or not, but um, 
I went to practice on Friday, uh, and I had braids back then. I didn't, and I had my braids unloose. My hair was out. Yeah. And it ran. Keep your hair like that for the game. We're gonna all take our braids out. Everyone whose hair is braided, gonna take it out. We're gonna like let it loose. We're gonna have afros for the game. So that was a Packer game too. We oh, all wait, had so ideas. so you were the guy that had your hair out, and Randy said, "Let's do that." I was gonna get braided after practice on Friday, so I had it out. But I came to practice Friday morning to get it. It was gonna get done. You know, practice on Friday is like shorter days, so I was getting braided after. Um, you know, we got our practice. And he was like, they leave it out. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, let me ask this. So I'm, I'm this, this white guy here in South Dakota. Was it out of the norm for you to have your, your hair out like that? Or was, was it, did you usually do that every now and then? Or was that, oh, okay. I would just probably, the person would take it out and rebraid it then, but I, somebody else told me to take it out the night before. So that's why I came in with it out. Oh, okay. And we decided we should all take our hair out and wear Afro. And then it was just like, I had a lot of hair. Like, how am I going to fit? Like, but we figured it out. It, it worked. Okay, yeah, I remember that vividly because this uh, roommate, the journalist dude that I'm talking about, I said, look, at this is so sweet because all of you guys, or a lot of you guys had it. And Wes, you remember yeah. this. It, it like... Uh, you know, for a white guy like myself, I thought it was so fantastic because you really didn't see it in mid in the mid two thousands. Uh, dudes were doing dudes were doing the cornrows like you had, or just still had the Michael Jordan look. Uh, so when when you and Moss had it, you know, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But I had no idea that it was uh, something that Randy. Yeah, kinda... from me coming to practice that day with my hair taken out, and he just said, "Keep it like this," and then he told everybody else, "Like, take their hair out." And we're going to wear our hair like this to Sunday's game. I was yeah. like, oh. never wore my, I've never had my hair out for a game, like, so put on the helmet and everything. But, you know, we made sure we could fit the helmet that day and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the same game, right? That was the, the 2000. I'm trying to figure out if that was the same game or not. Well, I know, I know verifiably that you guys had your hair out for that playoff win against the Packers. But, Wes, did they start that before that game? Uh, I think it was the same game. Probably. Yeah. Th- yeah. If it was only one time, it was that game. No doubt. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might've been the same game. But I just remember us being away. And I remember, um, us having our hair out. I was like, it might've been the same game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I saw on Twitter, I think it was, um, maybe Facebook, I think it was Twitter day that Justin Jefferson had his hair out like that today, uh, at practice. So, I don't know if he's in that transitional period like you were or if he's paying homage and wearing it out for his first time to Green Bay. Now, that would be badass if he does that. Right. All right, what about do you have any bad Packer memories that you want to disclose to the world? Bad Packer memories? Not really. Um, one time – it wasn't Packer. One time I had a food poisoning. Nobody really knows it. I had food poisoning. And I had to get an IV at halftime, and they finally took that probably like in the fourth quarter. But basically, it was like, you just try to play as long as you can. And I made it to like some point in the fourth quarter, and then they finally took me out. And you just felt like total garbage? Something I ate at the hotel the night before that just... Yeah. I was sick sick the whole day the next day, but it was still like, we need you to play. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) you can't call that sick. I got... Like I was no play, but yeah, I did. And as I was throwing up, I ran off the field one time. We had um, 
I don't know the timeout. And that's when I, that's when they knew I was sick over there. Because I ran off the field and threw up in the um they seen me where I was gonna throw up the I haven't thrown up on the sideline, you know, in the best in the in the trash can, but they couldn't see it but when they see me, I realized the timeout and I don't know, I got nauseous. I ran off the field, I ran off the field, I ran off the field, and they seen me go throw up, that's when they kinda of knew I was sick. The, the opposing team. Was this in the Metrodome or was this in Green Bay? Metrodome. Oh, it was. It was at home. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was it. I mean, I stayed into like the end. I know we didn't end up winning that game either, but I know I stayed into like the end of the fourth quarter and finally took me out like, yeah. 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 I think when we had Ray Edwards on about three weeks ago and he had uh, something similar during a boxing match where he had cramps and it just sounds oh, like, yeah. it sounds like hell. All right, so some more on this Packer matchup, some analysis. Um, I was telling my wife a couple days, or actually two nights ago, that this will be one of the most interesting games as a Viking fan since Mike Zimmer took over. Not because I think it's going to be ultra close or that the Vikings are going to come out swinging. They could, but I don't expect that because the pass rush will be so limited, and we'll get into that in a minute. But... Um, I wrote about this for Vikings territory. Um, it was actually Wes who's on tonight with us that tipped me off to the idea. Um, there is a lot of fire Zimmer talk, fire everybody. It's just the way that the digital age works, um, knee-jerk reactions to everything. The only way that I would see Mike Zimmer being terminated in season as if the Packers shellacked the Vikings this week and the body language of everybody was downtrodden or people were infighting. And it was if, if it happened to be just a nasty display of team football, I think that could spell wholesale change. That's a big if. I'm not predicting that. Um, but this game will be a referendum on Mike Zimmer, how he coaches. This is the first time he's ever um, scripted a game plan when the team flat out isn't very good. Even in his rookie season, the team finished 7-9. And as a dude that watched every single one of those games, there was never one game uh, in 2014 that I was like, this team sucks. I mean, every game we had a puncher's chance. So Wes, uh, tell me your take on a, what you expect from the team. Although we'll get to predictions a little bit later. Um, But do you agree that it it will be a referendum on team morale? Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I'm, in the same boat as you is I don't anticipate that actually happening. Um, I I think we come out, we probably don't throw in the first play like we did last week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That that interception uh, was horrible, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, But having Dalvin back, uh, hopefully it will help and we can pump the run game and try and keep it close. But uh, I think I read today we'll, we're looking at uh, down our three starting corners, so yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's not, not a good not mix. too good. <laughs> but but tell me what you meant when you when you and I um, were setting up you coming on the show. We briefly talked about how this game will be so telling or so interesting. Is it because you want to see some fight from them, or you want to see how the players look body language wise? Because you did tell me that it's it's kind of a uh, not a a verdict on Zimmer, but it's going to tell you what these guys are all about. Is that kind of what you meant or do you want to put it in your own words? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good chance to kind of see how 
the locker room is, um, how they're doing during this one and five. I, you know, losing isn't fun for anybody. Uh, and, you know, if you come out flat and you know, not picking up your assignments or listening to the coaching staff, then, you know, there might be something uh, more in the background going on that, you know, the general public's not aware of. And, you know, it could be an indication that, um, you know, Zimmer's coaching's just not catching the ear like, like it used to. And, yeah, um, that, that would yeah. be a, a very, very sad statement. I don't expect to see that um, because we have a, a long history of very, very good football under Zimmer. I really hope that they don't come out lifeless and angry at each other or anything like that. Bryant, um, about two or three shows ago, we talked about how rivalry games uh, can go either way in the sense that records don't matter. This is a prime example for you to speak on that, my man, because we have the one in five Vikings versus the five in one Packers on paper or in Vegas or in Wisconsin. It, it would probably feel like a game where the Packers are absolutely going to steamroll the Vikings. So I want you to explain based on your experience, why that wouldn't necessarily be the case because it's an NFC North rivalry game. Um, I just feel like a rivalry game in general is like kind of sort of score uh, the records out and just see how, you know, people play in lineup because some people just play a little harder, a little more emotion, elbow long, your coaches are a little more tight, um, practice is a little tougher, things like that. So you finally get a chance to kind of unleash it against a rival. It's just a more of a battle. Like you have those two outs. You also have the Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Like oh, they yeah. are that's just me too. So being a part of both of those, I just know what it's like. Um, no matter what. Anybody's record is, it's always going to be a knockdown drag out. Yeah. Um, for a long time, my goodness, probably about 15 years, maybe longer, that has been my favorite non-Vikings game to watch twice every season is the Steelers-Ravens because it's nearly guaranteed to be a defensive slugfest, and I just love that kind of football. Kind of like the Super Bowl with the Patriots and Rams that everybody hated, I thought was wonderful um, because it showcased uh, two defenses that deserve to be in the, the big show there. Um, so some more on the Packers Vikings, the most concerning factor for me, as I talked about a couple minutes ago, is that now with unique Ngankwe gone, our pass rush will be Afadia Denbo, um, on one end and maybe DJ Wanham, maybe Jalen Holmes on the other end. And I just don't know if that's enough to spook Rogers. And I've talked about a stat ad nauseum that when the Vikings sack Rogers more than four times, they are about undefeated, I believe, like 9-0-1 or something like that. On the other hand, when they do not, they're virtually winless. Uh, Wes, do you see this group of gentlemen getting any pressure, uh, I guess surprisingly, get some pressure on Rodgers this week? Uh, 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 a lot of it will have to do with if these young guys can actually – grow up quick uh, while in the fire. Like you said, DJ Wanham. Um, also from our D tackle spot, um, hopefully Lynch gets some burn. And, um, you know, the, the good thing about the young guys is they should be able to play loose. Uh, don't really have to look over their shoulder or anything. And, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, crazy stuff happens. Okay. Yes, the Packers probably are a top three team in the NFC. The only weird thing about them is that their schedule 
has been relatively easy. They keep playing teams without their best player. And that's why they, well, that's a, one of the reasons why they got to four and all so easily. Then they played a good team that was relatively healthy with the Buccaneers and they got their ass kicked, which was a wonderful thing. And then they rebounded last week by crushing for the most part, the Texans uh, who were kind of in the Vikings boat in a one win season to date. Uh, Aaron Jones, we don't know if he's going to play. Um, I believe he did not practice again um, the first the first day of weekly practice here, which means Jamal Williams would be the next man up. And he played pretty decent last week. And right now, Aaron Rodgers um, is a quasi-MVP candidate. Um, Russell Wilson probably has that in the bag for the first half of the season, but Rodgers, um, in a rejuvenated sense, has uh, brought himself back to life, and the weapons that we were told were so inadequate are actually not that inadequate. Even without uh, Devontae Adams, Rodgers is making his receiving core look pretty darn good. Um, So we think that Dalvin Cook will play. He practiced uh, this week, and it sounds like he will be back, and he is the engine of this offense. Uh, I've talked about a few times that – Alexander Madison is a very good running back and could probably start in the NFL at several different spots, but he is a different style of running back than Dalvin. And I will say um, with all due respect to Mr. Madison, Dalvin is a better running back and he is more of a playmaker than Madison. So that is what we have for the prognosis on Dalvin. Um, I wanted to also ask you guys before we make some formal predictions, um, what are your guys' mid-season Super Bowl predictions? Uh, I'm going to guess they don't involve the Vikings, but as a whole, for our listeners that follow the entire NFL product, uh, Bryant, if I had to put you on the spot right now, what is your mid-season Super Bowl prediction? I would say Kansas City and Seattle. Kansas City, Seattle. Okay, so you're going to go with the offensive fire firepowers. That's fair enough. Um, you you want to pick a winner or you just want to pick the matchup for now? I'll pick the matchup for now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Uh Wes, if you had to go gamble um in Sin City right now, who would you take as the Super Bowl matchup? I like Bryant's uh option with Kansas City and Seattle, but I'm gonna step over to Baltimore. Uh we'll do Baltimore, Seattle, uh go Baltimore. Let's get that third pick in 2020. Oh yeah. All right. I love that. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's speak it into existence like uh, Mr. Ball. Um, all right. Well, I am a little surprised that you guys have faith in Seattle's defense. I do not. Um, they, they could pull a chiefs and figure it out on the fly. I, I'm not going to pick Seattle, although I think they'll be there toward the end at the beginning of the season, I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Denver Broncos because I thought the Broncos would stay healthy and be that one team that nobody suspected would be any good. Um, I thought Drew Locke would be A, healthy, and B, progress along the lines of some of the young studs like Justin Herbert have. So far, that has not happened. So if I'm going to do something silly, like uh, make another Super Bowl prediction for the sake of the show... I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, in the Super Bowl this February. Um, So that's what I got for a Super Bowl prediction. To me, the Steelers just look like the most complete team. 
They feel like they're overdue for some prosperity. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in forever. Mike Tomlin, as Vikings fans know, is a damn good coach. And Roethlisberger is still at the top of his game. And the Steelers' defense is one to be feared. So to me, they're the most complete team. And we shall see come January and February um, what the matchup is. More importantly, because this is a Vikings show, uh, let's end the show with some predictions. Um, I will start... Uh, I am going to take the Packers 38 to 17 over the Vikings. I just think that they are Vikings are outmatched. I don't think that we'll see a bunch of infighting. I sure hope not. Um, but I just think it's a perfect storm with uh, the cornerbacks that Wes talked about being injured, the pass rush being tiny. Um, I just don't think that they'll be able to trade blows with the Packers. Um, obviously I hope that I'm wrong. Um, Bryant, what do you have for a prediction this Sunday? Packers, Vikings. I'm going to take the Packers as well. I'm going to say 27-17. Say that again, the score? 27-17. Okay, 27. Yeah, I'll, I would like that score a lot more, so let's let's hope that you're right. And then to uh, close us out, Wes, what is your prediction for this game? Uh, I got Green Bay 34, Minnesota 24. Okay, so you got it in that 10-point range. All right, that's a lot more friendly than my uh, my big discrepancy. Um, anything else, gentlemen, that we forgot to cover? Nothing about it. No? All right, so one more plug um, before you guys go about your lives, both uh, the gentlemen on the show and the listeners. <clears throat> Next week, we will have Adrian Peterson for probably about a half-hour segment. Uh, we'll go through a... A lot of good questions for him. Um, This will be my first time personally interacting with him, so I'm pretty excited. And it is one of Bryant's buddies, so we can thank Bryant for hooking that up. Uh, So we will be back in one week with a decision on the President of the United States of America and Adrian Peterson, uh, presumably all on the same show. So that is all we have for tonight. And go Vikings, Skull Vikings, beat the Packers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.